Welcome to the last lap podcast. Welcome to the last lap podcast. Welcome everybody to the Last Lap Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Andrew Pearson, and alongside me, as always, is my faith her host, Sean Gray. Good evening. How are we doing? The battle between Lewis and Vettel was as hot as an overboiling kettle. <laughs> With Max off the road, us engine explode. The race result was pretty much settled. But that wasn't but, bad. That wasn't uh, bad. It wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd, I'd rather box myself into a corner by starting with the Vettel and Kettle rhyme. And then I'm just like, I've got no idea where I'm going with it. <laughs> oh, well. Ever been ultra critical, I maybe would have liked to have seen something Spanish themed in there. But, hey, you know, beggars can't be choosers, you know. Do you, do you, do you know how, how few things rhyme very well with Barcelona? <laughs> you could have yeah. done, you could have done, and even though we were in Spain, it would have been nice to have had some rain. Oh, there well, I see, I thought it was just a bit too obvious, really. <laughs> Spain and pain and rain were, was, was the obvious choice to go, I think. Uh, well, about pain. It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. What did you actually, think? that's true. That's true. There has um, been worse. Plenty of worse. <laughs> absolutely. Plenty. Plenty of worse. <laughs> um, the, the previous race, actually, in fact, would probably have been quite a... Oh. There was, uh, wait, there was a race in Russia? Was yeah, uh, well, sort of. Oh. Some cars went around the track for a bit. I hesitate to call it a race. Oh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, this was the GP that was in Spain, in Barcelona. Um, and, well, a lot of talk about it being a very, very good race. Uh, and there was certainly, you know, um, a good bit of tension through through quite a lot of the race uh, in terms of uh, first and second place. Uh, but as we're seeming to sort of find a bit this this season, um, once the field sort of stretches out, we're, we're back to the sort of, you know, kind of bad old days that, that nothing really happens massively behind, you know, unless um, the field bunches up actually for some reason. So uh, this might not be the longest podcast we ever do because uh, once we get done talking about the first and second place finishes, I, I don't really have anything else to talk about. I thought it was good up until the point. Um, there was sort of 66%. Two-thirds of this race was was really what I like to see. And then the last third, when it had all shaken out and it became abundantly clear that um, Seb, who ended up in second, wasn't gonna, didn't have the tools to, to press Lewis. So the last sort of third of the race was a bit dull for me but the first the first two thirds was i was i was i was there i was glued all the way uh so yeah i can kind of see what you're saying there's a there was a bit of a bit a bit of good stuff but then it, it kind of fizzled out a little bit and then that's some if that happens up the front which it can do you know you might then look at say okay so who's coming through the field or to, to make a late charge for for points or podium or something and then I fully take on board what, what you're saying. There, there wasn't any really of that going on behind. So once the top battle was settled and you started to look elsewhere to find out what was going on, I, I would agree with you that there, there, wasn't, there wasn't an awful lot to say. Top two, though, I think more or less we can, you know, we can get our teeth stuck into that quite, quite extensively. Um, it swung back and forth both ways, which is really what what we've been campaigning for, you know, up front in terms of two different teams, you know, I know Rosberg and, and Hamilton swung both ways, but there were two different teams um, actually being able to compete on pace and go back and forward is what we've been after. So, so the, like, there was enough. There was enough there. I, I, I completely agree with the assertion that it was far from a classic. I, I mean, I've seen seen it being talked up quite strongly in lots of lots of corners of the the internet, and it, it was not. It was not a ten out of ten classic by any stretch of the imagination. But there was stuff in there to, that kept me interested. Much, so much more than Russia. Anyway, put it that way. I mean, if Russia was a one out of ten, this was a solid. You know six six and a half seven for me 
Yeah, I think this is one of those ones that um, is going to be good on the the anthology DVD because they're they're going to have that little duel of um, Lewis chasing Vettel down a- across so many laps and uh, and the overtake and all the other bits and pieces and the 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 on track scuffle, uh, which was all great and I really enjoyed it and I found myself being really quite drawn into the Lewis. Vettel battle, which yep. um, you, you know, I'd not been uninterested in it, but I, I kind of hadn't seen any sort of fireworks from it. They they they'd kind of just sort of traded wins in a, in, a, in a way. Um, yeah, so we're still really... kind of waiting for that duel on track, as opposed to just like Russia. Russia Lewis was fourth, and the other races. I, I see what you're saying, though. Yeah, they hadn't actually come together despite being close in the championship. Is mm. what you're saying? Yeah, no, I see what you're saying. So. This really piqued my interest in in, in that to see it. Uh, my feeling of the whole thing was that we witnessed something where there was some sublime choices of strategy um, that came from incredibly lucky situations. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, that I, I think what Mercedes did in hanging Lewis out that extra lap instead of pitting him in during the middle of the the virtual safety car period, waiting until they knew it was going to come in and pulling him in quick sharpish so that Vettel couldn't react and almost was had to stay out, I think was was genius, really sublime piece of you know of of playing the strategy. But um, he I agree, was, he was very lucky that he was in the position to do that. You know that Vettel had been held up by Bottas for so long previously to cut down the the gap um and that the virtual safety car stopped at a time that was convenient for him to do that you know if it if it had stopped past the pit entry then it might have been Vettel pitting first possibly or or some other scenario where you know that uh big gap that Vettel had managed to build up hadn't been whittled down by half um and it made me it made me wonder and I'm and I'm probably going to uh, hear somebody give it me in the neck if they hear this because they'll assume that I'm only doing it saying it because Lewis happened to get the better of it but I like the idea of the virtual safety car as opposed to having to throw out a safety car and bunching up the field all the time mm-hmm. I think it, it's better because it, it means you don't wipe out necessarily a big lead that somebody has built up um, you know sometimes it's fun when that happens but sometimes it feels like um, you know it's so arbitrary about how um, that affects the race uh, that it's not, it's not always great. It doesn't always mean, you know, safety car doesn't automatically mean, oh, good thing for race because everybody's sort of backed up. Um, and I liked the concept that the virtual car, virtual safety car neutralized the race. Um, you know, everybody stayed roughly, you know, everybody's going to pinch a, a second or two here or there where they think that they can get away with it if they can time it well but you know generally nobody's losing 50 you know a 14 second lead they might might go down maybe by like a two like I say two or three seconds but not not massively um but here it essentially wiped um a lead nearly entirely out uh just because of the arbitrary nature of when the vsc started and stopped so i was kind of thinking follow me on this one that um, during a virtual safety car, I think the cars shouldn't be allowed to pit. Yeah, yeah, I've seen you mention that on Twitter, and uh, as a wee sort of five minute think to myself, and I, I can't, I can't, honestly can't decide either way, because part of me is like, yeah, that would be absolutely fair for everybody, but then the other part of me is like, yeah, but you know, it's part of the the game, you know, it's part of trying to get the strategy right. Like when the safety car comes out. People have always tried to take advantage of it. When when the traditional safety cars comes out, it's always been a thing. Or oh, can we pit now? Is the pit window open? That kind of thing. And so I'm 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 torn on it because on one hand it's fair for everybody if you can't pit, but on the second hand, I'm like, yeah, but you know that's that's the nature of 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 you know playing the strategy and trying to and and sometimes luck plays a part. And on this occasion, Lewis got it. So. He got he got he got the luck, but he also got a, a great call by his team. Like it was a, it was the perfect call by the team, and so that part of me is like, yeah, that's just 
I'm kind of on the sort of that's the way it goes sometimes sort of fence. Like, I, I'm I'm torn. I am torn. I, I can't I can't really split it either way. So I'm you know under a normal safety car, I think they should be allowed to pit. Mm-hmm. I think that that's that's kind of different, especially given that under a normal safety car, there's probably been a fairly hefty accident. There's debris on the road, and there's much more likely to be things like punctures and stuff. And I think if the teams can prove that they had a puncture, um, or they retire the car, then obviously they can pit. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if the car's literally limping around on three wheels, um, or they can show that the, the you know the wheel had a slow puncture in it and they had to pit, um, then that's then that's different. But uh, the virtual safety car, the whole concept behind it is race neutralization. You hear the commentators say every single time it happens. So the race has effectively been neutralized. But what I'm my point is, it's not very effectively (laughs) neutralizing the race when, um, you know, yeah, I completely see what you're saying. Like, such an advantage. So the thing about the safety car is that generally everybody's got a chance to use it, or they or they pitted just before the safety car and they're and they're buggered, and that that really is the love the draw bit that I'm quite happy to say, you know you can't legislate for 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 yeah. either but you know with a safety car um at worst you know you you missed getting a free you know you might not have jumped anybody but the this field's all going to be bunched together so um at yeah, least it, everybody's going to start off in the same yeah i see what you're saying if it doesn't go in your favor but you're still going you might be down in 15th but you're going to be yeah no worse than a few seconds off the leap because everybody's together so yeah again yeah. you're saying the virtual safety the, cars where you are on the track when it happens can completely affect whether you have an ability to use it or not is that that's yeah. kind of your point yeah and 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 the language of it is is supposed to be the concept that we don't want to bunch the cars up and we don't want to affect how the race has has gone or is going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You that's know, the whole purpose of it, I suppose. Or you could just bring out an ordinary safety car. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Otherwise, that's what we might as well do every single time and say, you know, it's a proper, you know, luck of the draw. But at least everybody starts, you know, from the thing. Or do you know do what they've been saying, which is uh, safety car restarts from from the grid and go. You know, there you go. Everybody gets to stop in the grid. Everybody can change their tires, and then you restart the race. Do you know what I mean? Then just say, not, I don't like that. I, no, not... and, and I don't like that either. But it's if if we're gonna say you know everything is 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 fair. If we really you know if we were really serious about race neutralization and saying that nobody gets the upper hand because of a safety car, you say whenever there's a safety car, everybody follows it around until um, the. Uh, safety car comes in everybody lines up in the grid in their race order the teams have um you know two minutes or five five minutes to run on change the tires take the tires off and then the race restarts do you know what i mean that's and that's it um that's the way it goes or maybe what you could say is everybody lines up in the grid and if somebody wants to wants to pit at that point they can but they have to start from the pit lane so the whole field has to go in and you, your extra pit means that you will definitely start last or, or finish, mm-hmm. you know, last. And everybody peels out in the order that they came in and uh, in race order. So, you know, if, if the fifth place guy comes in and the 15th place guy comes in, then fifth place gets to leave the pit lane before the 15th place guy. You know, there's no racing in the pit lane for the safety car getting out. So the 15th can lead uh, out the end of the field ahead <laughs> of fifth or anything stupid like that. Yeah. Um, do you know what I mean? That that that's a way of doing it so that you prevent anybody getting a uh, an advantage uh, and, and keeping it as a as a racing contest. I I don't like it. I kind of I do enjoy that a safety car can utterly shake up a race, but um, having got a virtual safety car as an option. The fact that the safety car should be happening less comparatively, I'm of the opinion that the virtual safety car should not hand an advantage to everybody. And the easiest way of ensuring that is that everybody stays on on track whilst the VSC is going on, because the VSCs only tend to last two or three laps, don't they? They don't go on. Well, they're for minor incidents and things, aren't they? So yeah, like you say, if it was a big enough shunt, there would be a a full safety car. So. So that's that's know, that's why I ended up with that opinion because I'd have liked to have seen because what ironically probably what it would have meant was that Lewis would have caught Vettel later on in the race and we'd have had even longer of the suspense of seeing whether Lewis would catch Vettel and, and pass him. Um, 
because there's at that point you know Vettel's not going to have the option of of pitting or anything like that or thinking because once it, once Lewis had, Lewis had passed there was a moment where they thought maybe we can pe- pick um, Seb yeah I would have because it, because it makes no difference to the right whole there. thing yeah that's exactly what I would have done they might as well there was no there was nothing to lose um, I'd have brought him in right away stuck a sorry sorry no uh, that. Brought him in right away, stuck a set, a, a set of the quickest tyres on it, the freshest tyres you've got, and say, okay, go at them, see if you can yeah. get them. And if you can't, you're going to be second anyway. So there was nothing yeah. to lose in that situation, so I would always prefer to see them take the chance. Because at no point ever, and this is where I go back to the me saying it was sort of good for two-thirds and then bad for a third. At no, the second Lewis got passed, not a, nobody in the stands thought Vettel could have another have, have another go at Lewis. Like that was it. That was that was a brilliant. You know, I'm not, I'm a Vettel fan, and obviously wasn't happy to see him get taken over. But from a neutral with a, with a neutral head on it, it was a brilliant moment for the race. You know, but it was the that was the race. That was that that might as well have been the last lap. You know, um, because there was no there was no chance of Vettel getting back at him. You know, only the absolute. You know. Ferrari optimist could say that oh well, Vettel could take him. No, he had everything was not in his favour. He, he he couldn't. He was never going to be able to to get out of me. So I would have had um, I would have had Vettel in the pits right away. You know why not? What was there to lose? You might not have caught him passing or something, but you, it would have been at least you know a bit racier. Uh, mm. Go, you know, as for the safety car, I, I'm still a bit conflicted. I, I think I'm coming away from this conversation wanting to ban the virtual safety car altogether <laughs> at this point. Like, I don't even, I don't know what I believe anymore, man. Um, you might be right. I think I, you might have won me over. Uh, maybe I'm not sure, but um, <laughs> I like uh, to think at least I have a logical reason for saying. Yeah, yeah, and now, and now I understand how I've been spoken to you about it. I understand your logical reason. Um. Uh, but I, I would, I, I think Mercedes made made a blinder and getting that done. Uh, so credit to them. They, they yeah, used, absolutely. They, they they manipulated the situation to their absolute advantage. So tip of the cap to them. Having said that, I thought they'd messed it up to begin with. Um, mm, exactly. Obviously, Vettel takes Lewis at the start, and they left Hamilton out what, five, ten laps longer than than Seb, and and Just Hamilton was, work, was it? struggling on those tires. And for me, it was all the strategy was all wrong. And even even before the virtual safety car, Lewis was starting to get back into it because Sebastian came out behind Bottas. If, if Sebastian had come out ahead of Bottas, who knows? We could have been discussing a different race entirely at that point because he did lose a good chunk of time behind Bottas. But Seb gets a, a, you know clear off the line, has his first stop. And I think was it his second stop? He came out behind Bottas, or was it his first stop? I, I, can't remember. Um, Must have been his second stop. I think it was his second stop. Uh, and Bottas was able to play the the rear gunner yeah. gimmick to absolute perfection, which you know saved like got loose. No, maybe five, six seconds closer. And then obviously, then the virtual safety car and changed everything again. So from that point of view, it was just to and fro, and you didn't really know who was front, you know, who was who was net gaining between the two teams, between Ferrari and Mercedes, between Lewis and, and Sebastian, right of the way up until that, it was like, oh, I'm not You still don't quite know where it was going. And I was thinking, oh, Mercedes have got... Then, boom, Bottas comes into play. And you think, oh, well, maybe they've got it right with Bottas. And throughout the entire first two-thirds of the Grand Prix, I was really, really intrigued. And like, I'm still not sure. I think... I think Sebastian's got this enough in this to keep it on, but it's going to be close. But then as soon as the, the VSC happened and Lewis got past Vettel, that when where was when it was like, okay, that that's all she wrote. You know, the the way it's pan, panned out is you might as well have threw the checkered flag then. Um, because there was no way Sebastian was going to be able to get back at Lewis. So like I said, it was a solid six out of ten. And what we did get on track between Lewis and Seb was good stuff, and it was good strategy, and it was good on track battle. Just, just wanted a bit more of it. When we were sort of denied that by a combination of the virtual safety car strategy unfolded, but it was good, and you can't, like you know, 
Seb and Lewis, these are two juggernauts, proper, you know, triple champion, four-time world champion. It's just, I'm still on a positive high from having two legit world-class Formula One drivers, both in individual machinery, able to, to have that fight um, in, in separate cars. This, we've been denied that for so long. Like, genuinely, if you go back through the timeline, like, even before Mercedes dominance, then it's pretty much Red Bull dominance. Didn't really have much that could challenge Red Bull. So to have this sort of Schumacher hacking in McLaren Ferrari from the nineties feel to it, I'm still kind of feeling really positive about that. Like that isn't necessarily the greatest amount of stuff going on for the last third of the race and maybe behind the top two or three positions. Still got lots to feel positive about. Um, I guess part of the reason maybe we didn't get quite so much action down the field was that uh, essentially we lost Kimi and Max in the well, first corner. Of course, of course, that played a that played a you know you lost two guys there. That's probably what, third, fourth, fifth, almost certainly in those three positions. So that that probably played a played a big part. Um, somebody else was involved in the Bottas, wasn't Bottas. it? It was three three way into the. <laughs> Into the first corner, yes. just didn't go. Um, no, and I, I, I rather. I was just going to say, I, I don't know who. You know, nothing happened from it. Went down as a racing incident, and that so. Which which is kind of fine. Um, yeah, I would I would say so. Um, but uh, I rather felt that. I rather felt that Bottas was kind of unnecessarily hanging it out in there. Um, what happened was kind of always inevitable. And Verstappen and Raikkonen were already there with no, nowhere else really to go. And he sort of kind of just steamed up the inside mm. a bit. And, you know, I, would, I'm t- I, I was a agree. bit annoyed at, at, at him for it. I couldn't understand why he did it. Um, but uh, it was just, it just felt like, well, he kind of felt like he'd done it because he knew he'd probably get away with it because it was the first lap almost. And, yeah. I, I generally agree more or less with the decision not to punish anybody it was a racing incident however i also do kind of agree with you if if you were forced to pick one of the three to punish then then yeah that was probably marginally more bottas's fault but i've always been a you know a kind of a bit more laissez-faire and a bit more relaxed with that kind of thing i don't want to be punishing people for having a go and especially into the first corner and stuff so i'm happy enough with the decision for it to be a racing incident However, uh, yeah, right. Like you could, if you wanted to make a case for it being anybody's fault of the three, then Bottas would would probably be the one. Just um, back to Lewis and, and Seb for a quick moment. What did you make of um, Vettel's overtake on Bottas, and then some of his defence on on Lewis was uh, was highlighted as being well. I think Lewis had a little bit of a grumble about the defence. Uh, well. Do you think there was anything wrong with it, or nowadays that we've got this, these allegedly more relaxed rules on this kind of thing? Yeah, I kind of that bracket, or I, I kind of felt it was, you know, it was hard racing. There, hard it, it, fair. Yeah, hard and fair. I think. Yeah, yeah you, I would you know, agree with that. Uh, if yeah. we think back to the end of last season, where was that that sort of battle between Massa and, and Alonso? Wasn't there in one of the the latter races where, um, you know, Massa kind of got the the pooey end of the stick, but it was just Alonso battling hard and th- these sort of things kind of happen. And that that's kind of what I felt. And Lewis has, has done a few things like that. You know, he was, his elbows were, were you know, have been out at, at, at times during, during the season already. Um, but my bit is, is that he whinged about it on the radio saying, it's dangerous. He run me off the road. Vettel's driving dangerously. And then in the press conference, sat there saying, "Oh, oh this is yeah, exactly yeah. the kind of racing that I really want to see. Oh, I love it. This is, you know, this is real Formula One." It's just like, well, it's one or t'other, mate. Either you think it's good, or you're going to complain about it. I don't <laughs> want to hear you whinge to Charlie Whiting to yeah, try and that's get a penalty. What, well, that's what I was about to say. That's it's the Formula One equivalent of um, holding your hand up with the invisible yellow card or invisible yeah, red yeah. card, isn't it? Yeah, that's like, exactly it. The message on the radio. The message on the radio is for nobody's benefit except Charlie. It's it's almost like the equivalent, like you said, the football analogy is perfect. It's it's you know trying to dive at football or something like that. Yeah, you're trying to get your 
opponent in trouble um, for something that, you know, is what I consider fair. And, uh, you know, Charlie Whiten isn't going to, he isn't going to really buy that, is he? So, Well, I, I just think that the, um, the teams uh, should have to bring everything to Charlie Whiting. And Charlie shouldn't really be listening to the drivers unless it's in terms of the weather. I mean, that's the only time really, you know, track conditions, whether that's rain or oil or mm-hmm. something or debris on the track or something like that, that's different than I think, you know, then you listen to the drivers because they're the only people who can tell you by feel what's actually going on on the track. But whether something is a penalty or not, or whether something should be looked at as whether it's a penalty, it's a bit like, you know, the rugby stuff. The team principal or one nominated person from the team should be able to contact Charlie Whiting and say, um, we felt that this was uh, this was wrong. Can you take a look at it? Mm-hmm. And then that's it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. The drivers shouldn't be shouldn't be making comments to try and be picked up by the world feed to try and get Charlie Whiting to do something about it or investigate something that he might not otherwise have looked at. You yeah. know, they've got a massive team of people there looking at everything that goes on on track all the time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it was an incident for the lead in the race into the first car. It's not like they didn't see it. <laughs> no. <laughs> if there's something to penalise, I'm pretty sure they'll penalise it. Let's not be let's not be silly about it. So I've just, you know, I understand why they do it. And I know that Lewis is hardly, you know, uh, a lone, <laughs> uh, what am I going to say, offender of, of doing that, perpetrator no. of, of such a crime. Vettel himself is... Yeah, I was going to say, Vettel's probably, probably the worst, in fact. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'd like to see that gone. I'd like to see um, I mean, drivers not making requests that the opponents be penalised. I've heard both Seb Lewis, I think, name-check Charlie several times on the radio. Probably more with weather than anything else. But it's quite amusing when you hear them actually say on the radio, you know, Charlie, this is X, Y, and Z. You know, I've heard both of them name, name Charlie personally. <laughs> like them, You don't have a direct feed term. Like you say, you should probably... Should tweet him from the steering wheel. (laughs) Anyway, that was just a little minor thing, but I thought um, I thought we were firm but fair for 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 everything. For yeah, absolutely. I don't have any problem with any of it. Lewis's pass, Vettel's defense, Vettel's overtake on Bottas, Bottas's defending, whatever. I thought it was all good stuff. Um, Lewis's move was good. Brought up the DRS debate again. Would Lewis Hamilton have won this Grand Prix without DRS? Do you think? Uh, Probably. I, I I just think at that point his car was probably faster, but um, yeah, probably. I, I think it, I think it probably made the pass a little bit easier. Um, yeah. But then you know, what can we do really? The um, it, it all comes down to why DRS exists in the first place, and that was that faster cars are not. You're right. I was just drinking a bottle of water. It sounds like you're um, uh, snapping together a high-powered sniper rifle like in the movies where they pull it out of a briefcase and snap it all together. We'll start seeing stuff in the, an assassination spree in Edinburgh. We'll know what's I going don't, on. I don't know if you've noticed, man, but it's been bloody warm the last couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've, it's been taps half weather in Scotland, let me tell you. Uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Oh, it's over 20 degrees up here, mate. We don't care what to do with that. It's, a, it's about 25 <laughs> degrees still oh, now down here. Oh, it's it's ridiculous. Too hot for me, man. Too hot for me. <laughs> Absolutely. It's too hot for me, and I live in the south, so it must be <sighs> oh. It must be too hot. Um, <laughs> but back to Formula One. Um, uh, what were we saying? Well, I think we've looked at pretty it much was all, all good the most stuff. interesting things, It was all it, good really? stuff. Yeah. It was. Like, and Happiness. I, I, I'm, I'm I, generally happy with all of that. I left the race feeling grumpy because I wanted Sebastian to win, but I wasn't grumpy from a sort of neutral, was that good Formula One or not? You know, I mm. thought, no, I was good Formula One, more or less. Like I said, if I, if I had a picking holes, I'd say we could have got a bit more of a prolonged battle towards the end of the race, had the strategy panned out slightly differently. If we could have just got Seb and Lewis on a little bit more of an even keel of strategy, we might have got a proper hammer and tong between the two of them for longer at the end of the race. But... 
that's me that's me being ultra critical. It was more or less good stuff. Um so let, yeah, uh, disappointed Sebastian didn't win. Uh I thought Ferrari had the, the pace in the car to get the win. Um and when they got when he got the jump on Lewis off the line, I thought here we this is looking good, like because I thought the car was genuinely on pace, could could manage the race from the front and and and, and secure the victory. So it was a little bit frustrating that safety cars and strategy and whatever else in the end denied that as a Ferrari fan. So that that left me a little bit sour, but you know it was still it was still good action and still plenty for us to talk about. Where we'll have trouble is now we see right what happened down the rest of the field and it's kind of like oh, I don't really remember or know or what did happen. So can you can you start us off with uh, Danny Ricardo and his no man's land third? Uh, yeah, I mean, what what can you is, make of that? Is the Red Bull going to be able to compete with anybody all season? Doesn't feel question. like it, does it? <laughs> it's not. It's too quick to compete with anybody behind, but it's not good enough to compete with anybody in front. So they will just be perennially like third and fourth for the rest of time. I think. <laughs> yeah, that's that's all you could get from. Them. I mean, you didn't. It'd have been interesting to see what uh, Max might have done. You know. Uh, further on in the race, but I don't think there's, you know, I don't think there was any hope of them troubling the the front. Do you think and going like, forward, you know, upgrades? So I don't. Kind of places. Do you, do you see ever? Uh, you ever see a point in the season where they will be able to? It feels like the gap's a Maybe. lot bigger than it was last season. When it when does, last season they they were on the tail of the front ones, and and as it turned out through the se- season, they pulled ahead of Ferrari and were the closest people to Mercedes. It feels like they are exactly where they were last season, uh, or the car is the same as it was last season, and Mercedes and Ferrari have built better cars. Um, I mean, it's not impossible, yeah, yeah, I but I, so, I just... I think when teams it's hard get... to see get, how they... I was going to say, when, they, when teams get the cars right from the start, it makes it so much... You know, sort of harder. It's it's different when things are a bit up and down. Do you know what I mean? To to um, develop your way back into it, but it feels like there's something fundamentally missing on that car that the others have got. <laughs> Speed. <laughs> well, yeah, the Renault engine I don't think is helping, but um, you know, there were another half what half minute, seventy five seconds. Oh, was it his was that? Oh, right. Oh, end. yes. So it was. I'm looking at the th- I'm looking at the seconds, and didn't realise that the min- the minutes on the race time was a gap of two. Yes. <laughs> thirty five fifty nine for Vettel, and then thirty seven twelve for Ricardo. I was think I just assumed it was thirty six twelve. But look at it. Oh, oh God, it's a lot worse than <laughs> I thought it was. Yeah. So mm. it was. Yeah. That's uh, maybe... fifteen seconds down the road is just like. Yeah. Wow. I mean, he was lucky not to be lapped. Realistically. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a second a lap, really, isn't it? It's a second mm-hmm. a lap. So, yeah, it's hard to see how they can how they can come back <laughs> from that. They're going to be. It looks like they're going to just be there, and 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 unless there's, you know, chaos between the, the Ferraris and the Mercedes, struggle to see how they win a race this season. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're, we've just had first and second practice of, of, of Monaco today. And um, it's made me allergic to Formula One. No. Uh, <laughs> on the track where you go, ah, well, engine power doesn't matter so much. They're, they're still nowhere near Mercedes yeah. uh, and Ferrari. Although, although, you know, Mercedes were, were low down on the, um, the timesheets today. But nowhere near Ferrari, and I don't believe Mercedes. They're they're magically ahead of Mercedes now. No, that'll be that'll be bad Mercedes. setup and all the stuff. Yeah, that'll and be them. Not, that. That's not the true reflection of their running, surely. Like I didn't, I didn't <laughs> no. see any of it, but having a having a quick glance at the news stories and stuff, you have to assume that's not there. No, true. exactly. So and if, if, they're, if, still, if they're that far, no, you're going to say exactly what I was about to say. Yeah, if they're that far down at Monaco, then well, where else are they going to going to pick that up? Do you know what I mean? There's not, you know, Baku. Maybe, possibly. Um, it's the strangest Singapore, thing, though. Possibly. 
The strangest thing is that they're so comfortably ahead of everybody else. Yes. So uh, what that suggests is the gap from Mercedes and Ferrari to your Force Indias and your Renaults of the world is astronomical. Is what that like? But it is, and it makes you wonder how the FIA worked out that the Renault engine was within 0.3 seconds of anybody else because it quite clearly isn't. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, it, it, it's if you're taking that pace between like a Renault and a Force India, you know, there's a lot difference, but there's a lot of difference between the amount of money that goes into either of those two cars. So let's, you know, um, <laughs> in the hands of Jolie and Palmer, bless him. <laughs> the Renault's definitely more than 0.3 seconds off of just about everybody. Um, sorry. <laughs> uh, I'm going to get so, told so, off for that, aren't I? So we've got, well, I, I, I do want to I do discuss Renault. And Nico Hulkenberg finished sixth, which is an excellent performance. Mm-hmm. Behind the two Force Indias. Well, that's luck- what I was about to say. We've got. So luckily, wasn't it really? Because if you think about it, Bottas, Verstappen, and Raikkonen yeah. were all missing. So We've they. Got, as I say, we will talk about Hulkenberg and Renault, but it would be unfair to just completely scoot over the Force Indias and what is a cracking result for them. So a good, resu- mention good result for, for Ocon as well, actually, isn't it? I think that's... He's, he's certainly shown that he's got enough to, you know, drive a Formula One car. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, what was he, six or seven races last season? Did he get something like that? Maybe a bit more? Yeah, about half a season, wasn't it? And then, and then, so this is his first full season. His first time driving the tracks at this, because he didn't start the season last year. He ended it. So his first no, time no. Going, going to Melbourne and um, wherever else we've been, wherever we've been so far, China, places like that. It'll be his first mm-hmm. time trying those tracks out in an F1 car. So, yeah, he's, he's coming. He's coming to hand. Um which I, I I was one who raised an eye and said, oh, Ocon and Force India, they probably could have got somebody a bit, you know, someone else in there, really, if they wanted to. Um, but yeah, he's 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 doing well, and and he's 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 not quite. He, I mean, Perez has probably got his number, but Perez is a respected, experienced, you know, driver who's you know had would be on several people's shortlists for promotions if, if big seats came around. So yeah. He's doing well, uh, and and like you said, the Force Indias they've benefited sure from the retirements above, but another just consistency from them seems to be. Hmm. It's consistently, you know, it's not it's not blinding quick, it's not challenging for podiums, but they're consistently reliable, they're consistently in the points, which is all you can really ask for at this point. And after after me proclaiming at the start of the season that I thought the Williamses were going to be uh, comfortable in the battle against hmm. them this season. We need to talk about them, don't we? I'm looking great for some of my predictions in, in the preseason, but pretty silly on that one because Force India has clearly still got more than enough to have a good battle with the with the Worms and they've not won it. So, uh, yeah, I, I like the I like the Force India guys. I, I'm happy to see them do well. So, particularly Ocon, he gets the praise there, but you know, can't knock Perez either. He's just Mister Consistent. So, good stuff. Um, so you wanted to talk about Nico Hulkenberg? Well, more the fact that Nico Hulkenberg's finished sixth and mm. the fact that I've got the top 12 on my page here and I'm having to scroll significantly down to find Julian Palmer because I've only got the up to the top 12. Where is he? 15. It's Second every last, week. Basically. It's every week now. It's every week Hulkenberg's putting it in the points and Julian's trundling about at the back. And I don't want to get on his case, but what's happening there? You know, somebody enlighten me because Hulkenberg's he's doing the Fernando and getting the absolute utmost out of the car, probably. And is Palmer just getting the minimum out of the car? Is he not getting enough out of the car? Is it is is it is it is it a talent? Is it ability? Is it an attitude? What is it? Is it luck? Is it is he just not getting the luck with the the reliability and the incidents? and stuff somebody enlighten me because I'm not quite sure anymore because Hulkenberg's getting the job done so yeah. why isn't Julian Palmer I'm I, I don't know and <laughs> uh, the worry is is that realistically the the longer this goes on the harder he has to dig himself out of the hole do you know what I mean it's it was one thing at the start of the season to say, oh, well, you know, 
couple of races it's not gone well for me um but five or six races in and you know he has been unlucky let's let let's not be unfair about that you know if things have been going wrong they've been going wrong on his car or he's been the one that's nipped or um you know if if the engine's failed it's his engine that's failed um but when things like that don't happen he needs to be kind of further up the field even if he's had bad practice or bad quality um he can't he can't be 15th while his you know his colleague is 6th um if his colleague is 6th then he needs to be 10th you know minimum and, and you, then you say okay well you know Nico Hülkenberg's a vastly more experienced driver possibly you would you know you could say objectively more talented than Julian but there can't be nearly 10 places difference between them really if they're finishing the race and there there isn't a you know a, a break on the car i mean you think about how rubbish the uh, mclaren has been this season but even with fernando's amazing sort of driving you kind of don't feel that stoffel is um out of the running compared to his teammate do you know what i mean it, it's Okay, Alonso's amazing, so he's going to be a few places up on Stoffel probably most races. But you don't kind of feel like he's being outdone. And same at, at Haas. Uh, Grosjean is tending to finish ahead of Magnussen, but it's not by some order of merit um, that makes you feel that Magnussen isn't doing a good job. Um, and sadly, Jolien is is being lumped into the same category as Lance Stroll, but at least Lance Stroll can say... Uh, this is my fourth F1 race, you know. Um, Jolien's had four seasons to uh, get used to how F1 works. And I want to defend him more, but I'm finding it more and more difficult to kind of go, yeah, you know, there's a reason, definite reason to keep him, other than the but he appears to be an incredibly nice man um, who, <laughs> you know, um, does interviews, is very forthcoming uh, and seems like he's a real sort of credit as, as, a, as a person and as a driver in terms of, you know, uh, being personable and all those bits and pieces. Uh, and he's quite funny on the radio as well, which is always good fun. But how can a works team really continue to get poor res- much poorer results from one car than the other without looking at the driver uh it's it's difficult i really didn't think that they would get rid of him mid season but if he has a few more races like this i sadly think that they actually might um he needs a points finish soon he's not he, he's got, he needs to string together some eighth or ninth. Do you know what I mean? For He's got zero points. Three, three or four races in a row and then everybody will forget about it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He's got zero points and, and yeah, he's had bad luck with reliability so there's an element of that. But Hulkenberg's got 14 points already um, and Palmer's got zero. So, you know, for just Palmer to catch Hulkenberg in the, in the championship, Palmer needs to finish like fourth and Hulkenberg not to score. And and say hypothetically the next race, which isn't going to happen. So you know already Hulkenberg has a significant advantage over him in the championship. And like you say, even if Hulkenberg's coming in sixth, bringing it in sixth and seventh, if Palmer can pop in with the ninths and tenths, everybody would be quite happy with that. Yeah, and it's not. It's not even that he isn't doing that. It's that he doesn't look like he just doesn't look like he's threatening to do that. He's not finishing mm. a, He's not finishing an 11th in a hard battle with Grosjean and he's just missed out or something on a points finish. He hasn't threatened the points in any of the races. He hasn't at any point looked like, well, Pat, you've not looked halfway through the race and seen, oh, Palmer's up in 10th. He's going well. He might be able to get a point or two. Yeah, you, you, you also don't feel like back. he's finished there either. When you see him up in 10th, you go, oh, you know, other people must have pitted. That's yeah. why he's he's up so far. So when that all shakes out, he'll be back down to, you know, fifteen. That's not a good brand to have. It's that's like a, you know, it's a bad image to be presenting. 
when you, people see you in tents and go, what on earth are you doing there? That something must have gone wrong somewhere else for somebody else, you know? That's not that's not good. <laughs> it's not a good sign. No. Um, and say, like you say, a couple of points finishes in the next two or three weekends, and it's probably forgotten. But if he if Hockenberg gets points at say Monaco, Canada, Silverstone, whatever whatever we've got coming up, and Palmer doesn't still doesn't have a point by mid season, Palmer gets the Silverstone without a point. It's I can see, see him going, yeah. And then um, the, then we have the fun and games of who replaces him. Well, absolutely. Um but I guess we'll cross that bridge when it comes, I suppose. But um, yeah, it's looking tricky uh, for for Julian. When do you give up on Lance Stroll then? Because uh, that's, that's tough because he is just a, <laughs> if, he's if, just a if, boy, if Renault, isn't he? If Renault get rid of Palmer, then maybe Williams should put, get him in to replace Stroll because at least he'd be more consistent than. Um, I'm much, I'm much more strict with Palmer than I am Lance because Palmer's because, Palmer's yeah, a GP2 yeah. champion and has a season under his belt. Lance Stroll's just a just a boy in a <laughs> in a man's he? world. He isn't ready. <laughs> he, he isn't ready to be there. He needs some milk. <laughs> and so, so, so I, I take a lot more pity on him than I do Julian. Whereas with Julian, I'm like, come on, you need to be doing better here, you know. Whereas with Stroll, I'm just like, oh, he's. I feel sorry for him more than anything. He's, 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 he's tried, at least he tried sort of thing. Like. When he binned it into the barriers um, in free practice two today, um, after the after the thing, he said, uh, yeah, it's the same corners that I, I kept on crashing on my PlayStation. And I kind of <laughs> like, this is like, that says an awful lot, but I quite like the honesty of that. I said, yeah, I never got it right on my PlayStation. It's, it's just as difficult in a Formula One car. Blimey, who'd have thought? Where did, I never seen any of FP. What what did he um oh, where, he, did he, he, where did he bin it? Uh the oh, the which one is it? Um what what sector? The it's just after the um uh uphill bit from the start. Um they do that sort of funny U turn Yes, casino. Um where they where, where when they get it wrong when they go in and then they just sort of follow yeah, the barrier just, around yeah. and it just yeah, doesn't ever stop. <laughs> You end up on your way down to Mirable, then coming down the hill. But yeah, I, Casino Square. So T, that's sector one going down towards Mirable. Yeah, then I the, think then the I'm pretty sure that's where it was. You just, I, 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 like I you could just that, see but... him. He'd obviously clipped a thing, bounced over to the other side of the road, collected the barrier, and then done the um, the bobsleigh around it, um, ending up on mm-hmm. the outs on the yeah. sort of inside of the corner as it turns right Even around. Like, yeah. yeah, without even seeing it, I can. Kind of puts it <laughs> in my head. It's funny how it does that, uh, doesn't it? But, um, uh, I, I say I, I'm, I'm trying my best to give him time and patience because he is so inexperienced. He's such a rookie. But this is Williams Formula One. About this isn't this isn't a two ball outfit that I've turned up in 2010 on Benny Eccleston's fabricated new new, <laughs> new affordability uh, plans. This is YTS game. <laughs> this is this is this is a team that. You know, Nigel Mansell and Damon Hill and Senna. Savionov and, and, and people like that won world championships with and Nelson Tubike and you know, these guys are you know we we got it. you gotta be you gotta be aiming for something more. Yeah. I mean I tell you something, the only thing that's helping Lance Stroll at the moment is the fact that Felipe Massa isn't doing much better than him. Um Felipe Massa had and I mean we're talking Spain, so we'll go back to Spain. He had one of his Felipe Massa Grand Prix that he has, which <laughs> doesn't seem to do anything and then end up in 14th. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he just seems to go backwards all day. Or he, if there's a puncture to be had, he will find it. Or if there's a front wing to lose, he's already lost it. Like he has the, and it's the strange thing with Felipe. And I, I say I cherish him and I love him, but he has weekends like that where you just can't quite explain what's happened. <laughs> he uh, it's it's very strange. He had them for Ferrari, and it's what cost him his job at Ferrari because you can't be having weekends like that at Ferrari where your teammates Fernando Alonso in second place on the podium, and you're for some reason in twelfth and can't really explain why. Like that's not acceptable. And he has he has weekends like that where he just goes missing and finds trouble at every alleyway. And and he seemed to have had one here. I can't remember exactly what happened to him, but I can see on the list that he's thirteenth. So that. That's a Williams with a Mercedes engine in it. So right away, that should be ahead of McLaren, Sauber, 
probably Haas and probably Toro Rosso. So in theory, and even probably the Renault, although, you know, in the Hulkenberg hands, it looks a half-decent thing. So right away, you should be thinking, right, you've lost Bottas, you've lost Raikkonen, you've lost Max Verstappen. That should be double points finished easily for the Williams. Why are they not two cars in the top 10? And one of them should be pushing for, you know, fourth, fifth, and sixth. And they've ended up with a 13th and a 16th. So if it was up to, you know, if it was up to me, yeah, I probably wouldn't. I wouldn't have had Lance in the car to begin with. That's, that's the key point. The problem is now you've already put him in there. So what can you do? Can you take him out now? That could be even more disastrous in the long term. I don't know. But he shouldn't have been there in the first place. It's, it's, the answer to the Lance Stroll problem is time machine and go back in time and not put him in the car in the first place, which isn't really helpful. At this point, I'd probably lean towards keeping him and hoping it, hoping he gets it. And if he doesn't get it by the end, of, it may even give him the whole season, I don't know. But just hope that something sticks. And yeah, close your eyes and pray with them, basically, and then maybe change it down the line if nothing comes to it. But I'm certainly a lot more forgiving of him than Palmer. Palmer, I can, Palmer, I can see going before Stroll. Put it that way. Yeah, but somebody mentioned it today that they could um, they could reunite uh, the team of 2002 and have Massa and Heidfeld in the. I've seen uh, that. In I've seen the that. Car. <laughs> Nick, Nick Heidfeld's forty. I seen on Twitter last week that it was his birthday. Can you believe Nick Heidfeld no. is 40 years old? How it's old ridiculous. does that make you feel? I remember when he was like 21 driving a McLaren like in a test, like before yeah. he ended up in the before he ended up in the uh the Prost, that that godforsaken Prost on the <laughs> Lanka. Um I don't think he scored a single point for Prost. Yeah, and he was like 21, 22 or something, and he was the I think he must have won Formula Three or something like that. And it's oh, this young kid, he's gonna be He's going to be quick. He's, he's fit quick and ended up in the sour And now he's, now he's 40 years old. Happy birthday for two weeks ago, Nick. I cannot believe you're as old as that. And he still looks, you know, he still looks 35. He's doing a, he's <laughs> doing a really good job at the, in Formula E as well in the Mahindra team. Um, podium at the last uh, two good. Grand Prix, I, I think. You know, you know as well as I do, we have nothing but love and respect for Nick Heidfeld. I would love to see Nick Heidfeld get another six-month run in Formula One. Like a bit like an old wrestling veteran coming back for a final run or something. But it isn't, it isn't going to happen, I no. don't think, at this stage Sadly. in his career. What, uh, it, would be, it would be a massive amount of fun, but is isn't going to happen. Uh, yeah, if I was to look into my crystal ball, I think Straw will get the season. Just because money, <laughs> that that is obviously a key factor. But just the fact as well is that they've committed now. They've at the start of the season they've went right. We're going to take a chance. We're bringing a lot of money. We'll stick the young kid in the car and hope hope he does it right. And once you've made that commitment, you kind of might as well see it through. Uh, and I think they will. Uh, Palmer less less so. The fact that Renault is the Renault works team as well. They've got all the budget there from from the Renault uh, brand. They've got. A little bit, not higher expectations than Williams, but they certainly have. You know, you had them this week talking about world championships, and and admittedly they said it's not going to be anytime soon. We're looking, but you know they're saying the next three, four, five years we we want a race winning car. You know, we're here to win. If it takes us two or three years to develop it, then fair enough. We'll develop it, and then hopefully in twenty 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 one. Maybe we can win some races. So they're looking at that. They're, they've got a plan. They've got ambition, and that's what they're aiming for. So they'll be a bit more cutthroat, I think, than possibly Williams at with Stroll. Um, but yeah, it's not good. Not good for Williams. And 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 go back to Force India. You know, I predicted Williams to beat them this season. I'm quickly sort of <laughs> backtracking, like a Theresa May U-turn on that. Like, oh, I'm not sure about that anymore. Force India or Williams. I'm, uh, I think Force India might have the edge now, despite my earlier prediction. Um, what else do we need to talk about? Uh, well, I guess we should have a, a quick mention for Fernando Alonso's uh, seventh place qualifying effort. Um, that, was, uh, that was remarkable. That was absolutely remarkable. Yeah. Um, <laughs> followed by the 12th place finish because the strategy rather let him down. He, uh, he ironically was the person who was um, done over by the... The, the timing of all of the the incidents because um 
he just got he just every time it's he he seemed to pit something happened that meant that he went further and further back and everybody else got ahead of him um which was a shame but probably about 11th birth is probably really where the the mclaren really is in terms of everything so uh you know it, it, he finished a race so that's that's a, that, was a, that was a good start that was a, and it's to say that but that was a genuine positive there that the mclaren did a race distance you know and got got home so um massive uh good luck to him of course this weekend fifth, in, the fifth place in the qualifying of indy i'm so so hope he wins uh i've got all my support i watched a bit of the qualifying it's co- i quite like it you know, it's it's a crazy qualifying setup. Yeah, I think I might be intrigued. Four runs, think... average of the f- fastest four runs, and then nine of them run again, but then the rest of them run at the same time, but they all take turns going around the outside whilst everybody else goes around the inside, and then they swap one by one from the inside to the outside. And at that point, I went, I have no idea what's going on. This this makes uh, knockout qualifying for Formula <laughs> 1 seem like a sensible and, and well-thought-out uh, uh, concept. Jeez, but... Uh... I, I I was intrigued, so I tuned in. I watched a little bit of it. I'm pleased to see him doing well. I'd love nothing more than Fernando to win this weekend. Absolutely did you would love did it. you see um, Sebastian Bourdais crash? I did. That was oh. that was scary. Yeah, he ended yeah. up with what a couple of broken legs or something. I think uh, he, uh, he fractured his um, hip and pelvis. Um, amazingly, walked out of hospital today. Oh, really? Yeah, that's good. That's excellent. Uh, yeah, there was some some crashes. You see, you see that in Indy sometimes. Some of the crashes they have over there. I mean, that's the thing about oval racing, really, isn't it? Yeah. Is yeah. You, you go, oh well, they're just turning, you know, just turning left. Yeah, but when it goes times. wrong, it goes but badly. But wrong. they're doing, they're turning left at like two hundred and thirty-one like miles an hour or whatever ridiculous speeds they are, and you just think, yeah, well, if something goes wrong, you know, you're you, you've not scrubbed off any feed before you, any speed before you've either hit the outside of the thing at at speed, or you've barreled down into the inside bit and probably nosedived into the grass and flipped over six million times. It's like. It's That's pretty terrifying. <laughs> I don't think. I think it's one of those things where you think, "Oh, I'd rather be." You know, um, I bet you Formula One is. You know, feels like it going around Monaco might be more dangerous, but you're never getting up to the speeds that you are on an oval track. I think you'd, you know, by the time you were, if you had a slight twitch at 231 miles an hour as you were coming around a corner, um, they'd probably have to buy me a new race suit. I suspect. So. <laughs> So yeah, good luck to Fernando this weekend. We, we, yeah, we, we really looking forward to. It. We as a collective, so um, we as a collective Formula One Twitter community wish him the best of luck. Um, there's nothing I would like to see more. So, uh, honorable mention, and and maybe even more than honorable mention, maybe genuine praise for Pascal Verlaine and the oh, Cyber yes. finishing eighth. Uh, that's the best result the Cyber F1 teams had in a long time. <laughs> and yeah, it's I not think... really a surprise that they've got. It's come from someone who's clearly got a bit of talent as a Formula One driver. He's dragged that Sauber to easily its best result in like two years. So well done, Pascal. He's you know, he, he wasn't touted as a potential Mercedes driver for nothing. We know this guy's pretty quick. He just hasn't really had the machinery to show it. Whereas now or at least this week, you know, he's 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 I mean and, and Ericsson's finished eleventh as well. So the Sauber was clearly not too bad nick this weekend. But Verline taking that cyber above and beyond what you would consider it normally capable of. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, you know, it was a fabulous result for the team. Um, how how many more of those they get this season? I think will be interesting to see. I think that might be uh, that might be points tally for the season, possibly, unless possibly. there are some, I, some I, other interesting races going on. But you know, I, I would really like Verline squeaking a point or two um, for them towards. Like, I think a, he's got the chance, isn't he? I, I think Verline's genuinely a, 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 a talented man with a future. So I wouldn't rule it out, and you know, and dragging that car to to the odd tenth. Even Monaco this weekend might suit them without you know, without the focus on on power or or somewhere like that towards the back end of the season, a Singapore or um even a Hungary maybe somewhere like that. I wouldn't I wouldn't rule out Cyber squeaking one or two more points in Verline's hands. I would be a little bit surprised if if Marcus got got anything out of the car. But well done to Pascal. Um, yeah. He got he got points in the Manor last season. And he's got points in the cyber this season, which you know not everybody in that in that grid would have done. So no, that's true. And just just briefly, the Toro Rosso guys, seventh and ninth. 
good result well. for Sainz. Good result yeah. for Sainz at his home Grand Prix. Uh, obviously benefited from the retirements, but decent result for both of them. Double points finish. A team like Toro Rosso is never gonna sniff at a double point. Uh, a double points finish, really, are they? So fair result. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, that the Toro Rosso seems to be like you know a pretty pretty handy car. So they've. Yeah. Um, They've got chances to to shine, I think, during the it can, season. Yeah. It can it can ha- they'll have their battles for sure um, with the Renaults and the the Hasses and the McLarens and the Williamses of the world. They're, 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 I've said it before, but you know they're all. It's difficult to pinpoint one who's clearly the standout from all those teams. You know, on any given weekend, I think we should see some good mm. some good stuff. Force India look possibly a little bit a cut above the rest, probably. But, you know, um, Toros, Reno, Sauber, Haas, McLaren, you know, there should be some, there, there's points to be won for the likes of, yeah, that's for yeah. sure. I, I, th- I think when when McLaren eventually sort of turn up with a uh, the efficiency to run the engine hard all race, even if it is still a little bit down on power, uh, you know, I think that will shake up. Uh, I have no doubt whatsoever. Some of those bits and pieces, because I think that'll that'll stop, um, you know, Urenos Toro Rosso, uh, Williams is maybe feeling more comfortable about, you know, where they are on the grid and their finishing and who they've got to look out through from a race, and that can only be good for the spectacle of the sport because we certainly mm-hmm. need it at the moment with the with the way that the races have gone so far. We we need the midfield teams to be much closer together because we can't have another Russian Grand Prix where everybody strings out to three seconds between all of the cars and then that's the end of it. Agreed. I, I definitely agree as well that you strap a better engine in the McLaren and from an aerodynamic and chassis point of view, that car's probably up there, you know, with the Force India challenging the Red Bull maybe, maybe further, who knows? Difficult to say. But I've got absolutely no, no doubt whatsoever that the chassis in the McLaren is good. Mm. You know, the track's where the power focus isn't as high, like to be fair, like Spa to an extent, you know, Fernando put it in Q3 in Spa, at Spa, why am I saying Spa for I was just going to say, Catalunya. not Spa. <laughs> Catalonia, I don't know why I thought, I don't, I don't know why Spain, I, possibly. I, um, that's what it was, I've got Spa, I've got Spain and then my brain just decided <laughs> not to bother finishing the words, so Spa's come out, just, we don't need the I and the N at the end of Spain, that's fine. <laughs> no, like Catalonia, um, which, despite having a massively long straight, isn't that engine uh, critical? Surprisingly, because of the just because of the nature of the the rest of the track with the the long sweeping curves and stuff. So, the 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 McLaren showed in Fernando's cans uh, in Q3 that you know it can you can compete uh, if you get a you get any kind of engine in there at all. So, no doubt whatsoever. If if we see that then the McLaren will, will probably leapfrog five or six places up the grid. It's just whether we're going to see it with them because we've been waiting so long <laughs> for that Honda to come good. And it, like you said, I'm just at a point now where it's like I, I don't. It's like I don't feel like we're ever going to see it come good. Yeah. And I'm no doubt that it probably will eventually. But it's got to that stage where I'm so apathetic to it. So I just don't expect it to ever be reliable. So yeah, we'll see. But no, like Fernando, great job. Science, great job. Spanish guys, doing good stuff on their in their home Grand Prix. Excellent. Well, I think that takes us nicely to the end of the podcast for this week. Um, thank you very much for tuning in. As always, pleasure to have you uh, download, stream, however you digest this podcast and. You can always traverse to www.lastlappodcast.co.uk to pick up the latest episodes uh, first and before they arrive on any other platform. Uh, you can subscribe to us via iTunes or TuneIn or uh, Stitcher. Uh, you can follow us on the Twitters at Last Lap Podcast uh, or find us on Facebook as well. Uh, we occasionally post bits and pieces up there. Um, do we? <laughs> like every now and again, not very often, but never now and again when I when I see something interesting that somebody all, else has posted. It's all about that there Twitter, isn't it? That's where it's all it's happening. That's where that's where the party's at, man. 
Twitter. Come and come and give us a chat. That's where all the fun's happening. <laughs> I want to know how everybody who runs a podcast has an Instagram account because Chili, like my Instagram, would just be like, "Here is my laptop. Here's me tweeting a tweet on Twitter. Here's me watching <laughs> have, the Formula One on television." Huzzah! I, I have an Instagram account, but it has like six pictures. Of, <laughs> like, Three of them are my dog. So, <laughs> in fact, yes, the, the, that would be our Instagram, really, wouldn't it? it? Would be your dog and my cat. <laughs> yeah, let's get an Instagram. Let's do it, man. That could be a summer project. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. All right, there you go. You heard it here first. Last lap podcast coming to Instagram <laughs> near you soon. Uh, but uh, again, thank you for tuning and listening. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you download. Make sure you keep up to date with everything that we're doing. Uh, and we shall see you after the Jewel in the Crown, the Monaco Grand Prix. Yep, should be good. Looking forward to it. Always yeah. a good one. I seen you tweet the other day. It's um, not always the greatest racing in terms of pure track action, but it, there's always something special about Monaco, isn't there? Regardless of how the race pans out, everybody likes Monaco. So it's uh, And it's Jensen a... Button. We haven't mentioned JB once. Oh, no, yes. Button Sorry, is... yes. Big Jensen Button's to the back return. this weekend, so... It's great to see him. It is. It's like seeing your old mate, isn't it? It's, it's good to see him. I'm, yeah, I'm, absolutely. I'm looking forward to watching him. So. It, was, it was very nice to watch him put the little move at the end of uh, free practice two on Lewis, just <laughs> heading down the tunnel. That was just hilarious. It's just like, whoop. <laughs> Bye, Lulu. <laughs> Bye, Lulu. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. We look so, forward to that immensely. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I look forward to hope everybody looks forward to the podcast when it comes out uh, after this weekend. So, again, thank you very much for listening, guys, and we'll see you soon. Uh, thanks again. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.